It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Well, we saw it last night, the Chicago Bulls. They lose to the Milwaukee Bucks, 116-100. to They lose the series four games to one, Jonathan, as we... We have a fast break podcast to say goodbye to the Bulls season. What a season it was. Uh, but we're in podcast form. No show this Saturday because of White Sox baseball and also no show because the Bulls season has now ended. That is correct. Ah, the gentleman sweep. There you have it, Chris. It's kind of what we predicted, the old gentleman sweep. And it's really unfortunate, but it's kind of reality in the NBA. Um, I've discovered through these playoffs for the Bulls that – there's been a lot of basketball fans that just dropped in to the playoffs. I think that based on the calls that you get on Black and Abdallah, the calls I get on Captain Jay Hood, there's a number of people that have not watched the regular season for the Bulls or not watched regular season basketball at all and believe that, I don't know, Vucevic should be a back-to-the-basket guy scoring 35 points as if he's Patrick Ewing. So I, I learned that today uh, or, or this time during the NBA playoffs. You know, uh, listening to your show this morning, uh, Cap and Jay Hood, you're right. And the other thing that I, I kind of gathered from listening to, to Bulls fans the day after the season ended is, you know, if, if I internalize it, I feel like I'm the only person in the city who's disappointed with the way this turned out. I heard yeah. a lot of phone calls of people just happy-go-lucky, participation trophies, so happy to be here. Uh, I don't know about you, Jonathan. But that's not for me. And the way they played earlier in the season, the Bulls showed us that they were good enough to at least be competitive. They were not competitive in this series. That, that was a pathetic outing by the Bulls in the first round. And I get that in the final contest, you're missing two of your four best players. But still, the, the lack of fight at home, I can't be happy-go-lucky we made the playoffs when you look that pathetic at home in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, I understand that, but but here's the thing. If the Bulls were really hot at the end of the regular season going into the playoffs and they played like that, it'd be more of a shock. But because of the way the Bulls played down the stretch, and again, missing players, not missing players, the point is they, they didn't play good basketball. You were the one to be able to document every time that the Bulls lost the game against a top three team in East and West. And so, again, it's about reality. Like for a Bulls fan, if a Bulls fan wants to be disappointed, I can understand why, because you thought they'd show at least more fight. However, it is the Bucks on the other side. It is the, the NBA champions. And it's just hard to be able to get through Giannis when he's steamrolling everybody. You've got your feet set, ready to go, and all of a sudden he steams right through your chest. And, and he's able to score the ball. You see how good the Bucks are as far as moving the ball and how they were able to score. But, but Chris, it's the reality, right? Look at the Bulls and then look at the Bucks. I mean, they, they did not, the Bulls didn't win, did not scratch in the regular season. It could have been 2-0 and to start off this series, and they did not. So, but the reality is, is that a Bulls fan could be upset because you want more, but actually that's a better conversation than being Orlando or Detroit or Oklahoma City at this point. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I feel as if um, my commentary on the current situation of the team is, is layered in context because, for sure, the Jim Boylan era, 
the Gar Foreman era of this franchise was no good. Uh, that that's something that this team is is far beyond now. Uh, the future is so much brighter based on the front office, based on the coaching staff, based on the players that they currently have. With that said, though, in this current landscape of the the Eastern Conference, they don't they don't stack up and they don't contend. And there are other teams getting better. And I feel as if it, it was a nice first step, but. The alternative is, going forward, I don't know what that second step is. And I think that's why that's why it's disappointing to me. Because mm-hmm. if you look at it, you would if you have a team of young players who, who play in their first time together and they get beaten like this, you'd say, well, they're going to grow, right? The young stars are going to come into their own and they're going to develop. Uh, how much development is going to be here? With, with a player like Zach Levine, eighth, ninth season in the league, I feel like we kind of know what he is. DeMar DeRozan, MVP candidate this year. Wait, he's going into year 14? Uh, the, I don't know if there's much growth with this group, and that's why it feels, even though it's a nice, refreshing change to what we were talking about the last couple of years of Bulls basketball, it, it feels as if we have plateaued already until... AK and Eversley make a major change uh, to the roster. And they can't. That's, that's the point, right? They, they can't. When you and I were talking about this basketball team in January, they, the Bulls were 27-13. They held the top spot in the Eastern Conference, but they did have injuries. But besides that, though, the thing is, is that on the defensive end, that's where the decline was. I've been saying this a lot, and I know that Talking about uh, you know NBA defense isn't sexy, but it's actually the the point is that this Bulls team is not good enough defensively to take on some of the upper echelon in the East or West. And so he, here's where the old basketball hell comes out because this is something we, we talked about in the Derrick Rose era, where you're good enough to compete but not good uh, good enough to win a championship. So here's what's going to happen: the Bulls are going to sign Zach Levine to a new deal. Can we agree on that? Yeah, 100%. Okay. They're going, he's going to get a new contract. And, w- and so he's eligible to get a five-year deal worth $212 million. That's the max. So it'll be around there or hitting exactly the number of $212 million. That means $36 million next year, 39 the following year, the 2024 season, $42 million, then $45 million, then 48.3 in the 26-27 season. And as you just mentioned, the guy just turned 27. And so the big question on the table for all Bulls fans should be, if Zach Levine is your lead or making the most money, does that mean that you are destined for a championship? And it's not like we can look at, say, pick a young team like Minnesota, Memphis, New Orleans. We could talk, talk about those teams or teams that are not playoff teams that are young, like Detroit or something like that. And we could say, well, you know, there's growth here because a lot of these guys are in our rookie deals. you got a number of young guys that could be able to help develop the team into something. But with the Bulls, it's different. Who's that young stud? Who's that Jordan Poole? Or who's that guy or, or guys that can elevate the Bulls with veteran players and a young player that could be able to be on the same par with DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. who is that yeah. guy in the roster? Right. And and I don't know if that guy exists. And, and you know, uh, there were exit meetings today, uh, and, and the players met the media, and Kobe White talked about how step one is he needs to be uh, a better player defensively. Totally agree. 
Uh, I also think that, you know, he's, he's said that he has to work on his handles. Uh, he needs to work on shooting. Like, a player like Kobe White, we're going to get close to the conversation of bust soon, right? He, he wasn't a first-round player. He wasn't a first-year player this year. He, mm-hmm. he was, he's stepping into the he's a vet in the league conversation and no longer a young guy. And, and that's where we have to have that, that start to have that mindset and that, that conversation about whether or not the guy was a bust as a first-round pick in the, in the top ten. Right? Like, he, he's not showing enough, and, and he's a part of the answer. Patrick Williams is a part of the answer. Like, both of those players are going to have to be solid role-slash-starters on this team next year to even compete with the others in the East. Well, you know, with, with, I think that with White, you can definitely upgrade that shooting. It, when he was drafted, you and I knew what that was. Coming out of college, you know, that he was a combo guard, a guy that can, you know, heat up and be able to knock down some threes, but not uh, a go-to guy like we saw in Grayson Allen in this series against the Bulls or like a Pat Connaughton. I think maybe he can grow into that, but the question is how much – how much patience do you have if you're the Bulls to wait for Kobe White's development? See, see, to me, this whole thing with the Bulls, Chris, is to win now. That, that's the reason why they got Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and, and these players, Vucevic. The reason why they added those players is because they got tired, and I guess Vucevic, I guess Karnaschovas and Eversley said, boy, the Bulls fans had enough. Let's at least try to get to the postseason. This is all to win now. You know, it, it's funny. We just talked about young players in development like some of these other teams, but I think that the, the mantra for Bulls basketball is to get, get it done now. And I don't know what that really means, especially when Vucevic is eligible for a four-year, $118 million extension. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't mind Vucevic, but you got to think about that. Carter Chauvin is all in on Vucevic. So that, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Like, Kobe White, you need to upgrade that. You need shooting. But I think what you're intimating to me is, like, yeah, I mean, you can make some changes and some tweaks here, but what, re- what are you really in the East against some of the other really good teams in that conference. Right, and, and you look at uh, what they have on the books. You know, basically, for the most part, they got 100 mil dedicated already for next season. You add the 30 to 40 mil for Zach Levine, you're right at the mm-hmm. luxury tax, right? Uh, you're yeah. right in that threshold. They, they're paying the luxury tax now, so it's it's not as if, um, you know, and Michael Reinsdorf has talked about it. He wants the franchise to be winning, and he's willing to pay the luxury tax to win basketball games. So like we're, we're in a different era of Bulls basketball, the old, they're cheap nonsense that we usually get calls about. I don't think that exists, but there is one thing here, you know, say you don't, you don't want Zach Levine long-term, but you're, you're going to sign him to try and trade him. You essentially in 2024 have clean books. You have Lonzo ball. You have the final year, DeMar DeRozan on, on the, on the books. And then you also have Alex Caruso. You have a Patrick Williams team option, and that's it. So, like, you have, you have a, a, a possibility to have a clean slate a, a season from now. So, you know, we, we could talk right now, and, and, and you brought up an interesting point that Vooch is going to be in a contract year next season. And, yep. and, and this, this could play into uh, this roster, even though we started this conversation saying, and I said, that it feels as if they've plateaued. It's not like all four of these guys are locked in for the next six seasons. 
Uh, really, it's basically you have one more shot with the group that you currently constructed with a guy on a, uh, on a contract season in Vooch, and then, you know, whatever you decide to do with Zach Levine. But you could really kind of refresh what you have going forward starting in 2024. Um, and, and that could kind of lead into a whole bunch of different options and, and pieces of, of conversation as well because I, I think one thing that we've started to learn about the NBA is uh, you could promote having cap space for only so long, uh, but it feels as if, at least to me, that that type of uh, NBA building has kind of become passe. Uh, really, what it is is you have to attract stars to want to be in your your city and want to play for your franchise. And at that moment, once they decide that they're in, uh, the money will work itself out. You'll you'll use a contract here. They'll sign with their team. You'll swap assets, and then you get what you need to do. Um, but promoting like we're going to have X number of dollars in cap space, I, I I don't feel like that's as relevant as it was say late 90s, the 2000s, uh, when teams would prepare for all this cap space to go blow their their cap space load on January on July 1st. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, like oh, don't watch it. Well, uh, yeah, uncensored? Is, is this uh, unfiltered? What are, we, what are we doing here? Just hang on a second. Unfiltered? Are we, are we filtered or unfiltered? I, I said cap about- space load. Cap space yeah, just, load. Okay. Okay. All right. I just want you to have a little separation in words there in that spot, but go right ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what do you think? Like, I, I don't feel as if it's that big of a deal anymore because the, the stars are going to dictate where they want to be. And, and yeah. like, this is why I thought of this, this kind of angle. Um, we, we both think the Bulls will sign Zach Levine to the, to the max extension. Yes. Zach has said from day one, he wants to be here. He wants to be a part of this franchise, and he wants to do it here. Yeah, his, his actual quote, Chris, was, I outplayed my contract. I've been very loyal to Chicago. I like Chicago. I just want my respect. If that's now or later, it's something that we've got to work out internally. This is what he told Brian Windhorst right before the Olympics. What if he has a change of heart over the next two months? And he, he's going to get the money, but what if it's from the player and the agent saying, you know what, Zach, uh, Chicago's a nice market. But wouldn't New York be a better market to to sell your shoes or to to sell the Mountain Dew commercials that you have, or or maybe Los Angeles is a better market? Um, I'm just saying he's said on the record he wants to be here, but I feel as if things change very quickly in the NBA. And what if he wants to be somewhere else? I mean, at that point, that would open up a lot of doors for the Bulls, and I quite frankly, I think it would really help them out. Hmm. Well, I have no inkling, no sign that Levine is unhappy. And if you are going to move, see, there, there's a such thing, Chris, is trying to get happier than happy. If he's unhappy in Chicago and says, I'm going to find an opportunity to play with Brooklyn, for instance, right? It's like they move out even more cap space. They find a way to get him as part of the mix. Or like you said, he goes to New York or he goes to – Denver or New Orleans, so just something like that. Well, I mean, what's important to you? If you're going to get the max and you're already here at Chicago, why don't you just stay? Because it, you know how the NBA works. It's, you're, it's only really 
five to six teams that can really win the championship, and I and six is stretching it with Memphis. So so I'm saying that he could make that decision, sure. But what will make him unhappy? Like like I believe that Zach has got a lot to do with having Lonzo Ball on this team, maybe Caruso, because when they see Zach, he made Chicago a destination. Uh, I think that him asking to, to say, hey, why don't you consider Chicago, and it became palatable for free agents to come over, I think that that worked. So if he leaves, then the Bulls are uh, San Antonio. The Bulls yeah. are Charlotte at best. Um, he could do that, but it's the same money, though, if you want to leave. Isn't, is it not? Yeah, I mean, ideally, like because uh, you wouldn't say he would just want to leave on his own. Because yeah. uh, he, he's not going to be able to get that, that additional year at the end of the contract that only a player signing with their own team can get. Uh, so it would be his agent, his people saying, uh, Zach would like to go play somewhere else, but we'll, we'll figure out a sign-and-trade situation. That's how this stuff kind of works. That's how DeMar DeRozan got here. You're right. Like, DeMar DeRozan wasn't a free agent signing. It was a trade. Uh, but he, he said he wanted to come here. And that's how it, that's how it works in the league. So let me let me because um, a lot of this conversation is stuff that you and I have talked about uh, mm-hmm. previously on the Fast Break podcast. And I know that the season is officially over now for the Bulls, but are there any players uh, to this point in the uh, playoffs? There's three other teams that have been eliminated to this point, right? Uh, we mm-hmm. have the Nuggets, the Nets, and the Hawks. Those are the three teams that have been eliminated: the Bulls, the Hawks, the Nuggets, and the Nets. Are there any players, any stars on those teams that you think could be available or do you think uh, could be worthy of uh, trying to acquire through trade and positioning based on how this offseason is going to go? Well, because of Karnaschovas and his connection internationally, and I know that that's where he looks first because the whole city wants Jokic now because that's going to happen. Uh, So um, I would look at, not first, but I would consider Patty Mills. I love that. I would because you need shooting, right? And in a floor general, I think that that kind of veteran leadership works. I'll just take him from the net because where are the nets going? Let's just be honest. Like Simmons in or not, just like they're not going anywhere. I just think that Chicago is a really good spot. And I'm not saying it because we're from here. I'm just saying that, you know, I could be from Seattle and look at Chicago and say, Hey, you know what? That's a good spot because now that's a, a team that's winning and they have a pretty, I think a pretty good front office with international ties. So how about Patty Mills? That's one. I like Patty Mills. I think that's a good name. Uh, he's someone I've I've liked watching for a long time. I would assume there's some kind of connection there with DeMar DeRozan. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. their their paths cross in in San Antonio? Um, yeah. He, you know, Patty Mills is exactly what if if Kobe White could turn into that. That's what this team is missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who can knock down open three point shots, still get to the rim, make his other make teammates better. Uh, also play defense where he's not a complete turnstile out there on the perimeter. That's, that's exactly the type of player they need off the bench. Um, I, I think what is interesting with the Jokic situation is clearly the Bulls front office heavily influenced the draft drafting of Nikola Jokic for the Denver Nuggets, right? Because AK was there. He scouted him. He's 27. He is entering his contract season next season with the Nuggets. 
no one has said that he wants out. But someone who is possibly going to win back-to-back MVPs, you could argue that a bigger market would certainly help him uh, create dollars in his pocket, uh, marketing-wise. And it, it seems as like if you put both teams on an even playing field, uh, I, w- I don't think out of the things, uh, out of the realm of possibilities, Jokic saying he wants out of Denver, I don't think that that's something you can completely eliminate going forward. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, well, I think if, it, if it's more likely that Gobert and something would happen there in Utah before Jokic, and it may, I could be wrong, I, I think that, and here's the difference between Jokic and probably and most players, right? Jokic would be comfortable in Denver and just continue to play. He, I don't see any complaints from him on what's happening there uh, in Denver. Um, I mean, but because of the connection with Connor Shelvis and, and Jokic, I could see that, uh, but not now. I, okay. I could see Jokic going someplace else, but just not now. Like, there's a number of teams that were in the play-in game or in the playoffs that I would be interested in, at least trying to find out how they'd fit into the salary structure of the Bulls, like a Robert Covington, who played for the Clippers, uh, is a a guy in particular that I'm looking at. It'd be so cool, and it will never happen, but you're talking about a shooting guard, extra shooting with Malik Monk. I think he's earned himself a nice payday uh, with the Lakers, don't you? A guy that can get hot from beyond three. There's a guy there, and I'll give you one more. Um, and I, <laughs> didn't did Malik so, Monk uh, take a pay cut to join the Lakers to quote win? Isn't right. isn't he a um, isn't he a clutch sports guy? So his, his agent is Rich Paul, and he took a pay cut to play with LeBron and be a part of the Lakers and that whole Rich Paul trying to run the Lakers type of thing. But he took the pay yeah. cut to be on a team to win. Yeah, he's he made one. He he paid one. He made one point seven million this year. Yeah, he's better than that. <laughs> and one other guy that I know that's that I'm sure Oklahoma City will hold on to, even though they have six thousand five hundred thirty three draft picks. Um, <laughs> could you imagine Lou Dort on this team? Oh yeah, the guy, a guy that Billy coached at Oklahoma City. He gets Dude. after. Oh, oh, well, I need a cigarette. Right, he's Lou on. Dort. He's on a minimum oh. uh, contract as well for next season. Dude. 17 points a game, and, and again, you can look at the standings, and you and if you listen to this, say, oh, what do you do for Oklahoma City? No. That's a guy there, and Chris can vouch for this. It's a guy that you just watch him off the ball, or if he's, on, uh, if he's defending on the ball, you just watch him. You don't watch where the ball goes. You just watch him. That's a guy there that you talk about de- de- uh, defense. That guy is so good. Lou Dort from Oklahoma City. I, he has a team option, Chris, so it's not possible because I'm sure the Thunder would you know, keep him in-house. But, man, that guy. He's, now he's becoming a two-way player. So he's going to butt into something special. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what um, this is all a piece of conversation about is, is how really when you, when you look around the league and you look at different rosters, there's not really a whole heck of a lot out there until we get to like Utah and the the biggest kept or the worst kept secret in the entire league is that that Quinn Snyder's rumored to to be uh, interested in the Lakers job and that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert they don't get along now if they tear apart that team i would ask what what is Utah accomplishing like the one thing that the Utah Jazz are known for is 
uh, solid regular season play and selling out their their arena. And like yeah. it, it feels as if they're content with that. So like the teams that tear it apart are usually the teams chasing championships. So like if you told me if we were sitting uh, middle of July and you told me, hey, by the way, the Jazz didn't end up tearing it apart. They're just going to try and continue to be the fourth or the fifth best team in the Western Conference and hope a playoff series goes their way. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that kind of sounds like the Utah Jazz. Um, so that's going to have to come from the players, and probably it's going to have to come from Donovan Mitchell uh, because Donovan Mitchell is under contract until t- 2026, making almost $40 million a year. Uh, Rudy Gobert makes more, but quite frankly, like, I don't know if I would want that contract for a defensive-only player that Gobert is. I don't, I don't know if that's something I'm interested in. I, I, told, uh, I told the morning show audience that I think that, um, that you're getting diminishing returns with Gobert. The, the, the game's changed now, Chris. I mean, there was a time where it was cute to call Rudy Gobert the stifle tower, all that. Um, I just don't think that he's the kind of player that you need now as far as being a force offensively. Yeah, I mean, he's tall and sure, he still is a shot blocker. He could do those things, but I don't think that's a must anymore. When Bam Adebayo at 6'7", 6'8", can be able to do the same things and actually more than Rudy Gobert defensively, I think that's all you need to know, isn't it? I mean, Marcus Smart at his size can do a lot more than Rudy Gobert now uh, with Utah. Or am I looking at that wrong? No, I think you're right about that. I, I, I think you're right on with that. I, I, think, I just think, uh, yeah, I just think there's there's more flexibility in a game now from a big. It's just yeah. not that you know this lug that's big slug that's uh, inside is blocking and swatting away shots and just getting you know putbacks. I mean that. That's no shot at Brooke Lopez, but I mean that's what he could do. What what can Brooke Lopez? What what can Gobert do now? I'm talking about t- this year that Brooke right. Lopez can't. Right, and I'd say okay, say hypothetical, you swing a deal, Vooch, and Zach Levine for Rudy Gobert. There would have to be other pieces involved, but like that, those are the main pieces because to, for contracts to match up, you would need Zach's new max deal plus something else, and you wouldn't need Vooch anymore. So, okay, that's what the Jazz get. The Bulls get back. Rudy Gobert. Are the Bulls better if it's Gobert and DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso? No. You're you're still going to have the the same offensive problems. You're in the same spot. Right. Yeah. No, I I think you you could convince me that um, if we flip it the other way and it's for Donovan Mitchell, and you no longer have Zach, and then you figure out something else uh, at the center position, like, I kind of feel like Donovan Mitchell and DeMar DeRozan may be a little bit better pairing, but I feel like uh, Mitchell and Zach Levine are pretty comparable as far as players go. Uh, Chris, I think you and I know what, what DeRozan is and what he is not. I think we know. We we keep forgetting that he's thirty two. Oh yeah, yeah, like, no how, doubt. Yeah, like so 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 now in the next five years when Zach gets this deal, and I'm assuming he's going to get it five years with the Bulls. So how long is DeRozan going to be here in the five years that DeRozan's going to get his full boat contract? They're going to have to switch that number two option out offensively. 
that number two guy. Like, I've been saying a lot, like, who are the pillars of the Bulls? If is one of the pillars, I don't know how much longer he's going to be here. I'm not and, – and let me make sure it's clear. I'm not trying to push him out the door. But what I'm saying is, is that DeRozan – was pushed out there as a number one when Levine had problems either with COVID three times or uh, with a problem with his knee. And so, yes, was he an MVP candidate? Yeah, he was early. But ultimately, you got to think about life after DeRozan. Like, Alonzo Ball's one guy, but Alonzo's got to stay healthy. Uh, Patrick Williams is a project still. I don't care how many points he scored against the backups of Minnesota. He, he's still a project <laughs> as well. So this, this is why this is interesting, right? This is, I'd rather talk about this and, try, and figure out what's next than, you know, what's new with the Bulls. Isn't that, that's the best. I mean, there's commentary in the final game of the season about how Patrick Williams is figuring it out. And then the moment the playoffs begin and the big stage is there, he -hmm. goes silent. Like, come on. What are we doing, people? Come on. Hey, hey, listen. It's like like when you get a a G League all-star who who goes out to um, the Sears Center. He's throwing up 30 points, and then he's riding the bench. And people are like, Jay Hood, why doesn't he get some run with the team? (laughs) Jay Hood. It's like... Are you serious, man? Because it's there's different levels to this. There's different levels. He yeah. wasn't right for the playoffs. Neither was Kobe White. No, no, it was not. But I just I, I want to point out about Levine because again, these are just facts. You can you can take the facts however you'd like. If you are a Bulls fan, listen to this. Levine has played more than 70 games just twice in his career, and not since 15 and 16 when he played all 82. He did not. He did play 60 of the Bulls' 65 games in that pandemic year, but that left knee that he's going to get surgically repaired is the same knee that he had surgery on in 2017. So the, the knee that he had problems with here in the regular season in the playoffs is the same one he had uh, surgery on in 2017. But – as someone told me the other day, Chris, that's it's you. You are a little bit concerned. Mm. You hope that that knee can be able to hold up. The same surgically repaired knee in 2017. He's having work on. Let's just see if that knee and that uh, and he can hold up here uh, for the life of that contract and be able to help the Bulls. What if the Bulls say we're not giving you the max? Uh, you better have a plan, and that better be Bradley Beal. I is it are we too close that I think Beal's a better player? Because I'm I'm lusting uh, for something that's not here that I I don't see each and every every game. You know I, well, I also I also well, don't think the yeah. Damian Lillard thing's going to be over. You know Portland's no, but, in a situation yeah. where. Uh, Paul Allen's sister is owning the team. She owns the team right now after his passing. And there, yeah. there's rumors in Portland that she may want to sell the Portland Trailblazers. And Paul Allen had a very close relationship with Damian Lillard. And that's part of where the loyalty is, why he wants to stay there. If she sells the team, there's no guarantee that, that Dame is still in, in Portland. And, and if you could somehow swing that, turn Zach Levine into Damian Lillard, that to me would be taking you to the next level. <laughs> hey, Chris, great timing on trying to sell Portland. You should have sold it the last years of Stotts while it was high, 
and 50 wins in a playoff exit in the first round. They <laughs> sell it with Chauncey. That's diminishing returns, isn't it? You're selling it now with bad Billups. Uh, with that team now, I mean, my God, that, that's a junkyard now with no McCollum. Lillard's going to be leaving soon. I'm just, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but let's. So let me answer your question about about uh, Bradley Beal. Is Bradley Beal the same scenario of Zach Levine, in which Zach came over from Minnesota, the best player on a bad team? Isn't that what Bradley Beal is with Washington? Yes, it is. He is the best player on a bad team. Um, but can can the skill set of Beal be a little bit better as far as winning basketball games? And what I mean by that is uh, this season, I, I documented it. You, you've noticed it. Uh, Zach's handles, when he's in traffic or trying to get to the rim, they're, they're terrible. Uh, he's always losing the basketball. When, when he's flying towards the rim, the ball's slipping out of his hand. Uh, he's getting pickpocketed left and right uh, when, he, when he's in traffic. Uh, I feel like that, and then also the basketball IQ at the end of games. We've seen Beal in spots uh, deliver at the end of games, and, and they, haven't been al- they haven't always been a bad team. They were somewhat competitive a, a few years ago. Uh, but I, I think also that the defensive effort. Like, I think it's tough to build a team with their two best players who are not very good on defense, and that's what DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are. So you, that's why you need Lonzo and Caruso and Vooch to step up defensively because you're making up for the other two who are out there. I think Beal um, would at least buy in a little bit more in that setting. Um, I don't know. I, I'm torn. I, I feel like they're comparable, but I would lean Beal. But also we see Zach each and every game, so I see the deficiencies, which, which maybe I don't see as many of those from Beal because I don't watch as much as Bradley Beal. And the mm-hmm. same same would go with Donovan Mitchell. Like, Donovan Mitchell is horrific on defense. But we've seen him excel in a playoff series before and carry a team to the next round. Uh, Zach had that opportunity this year. And he gave you a mundane 20 points per game and five rebounds. Like, no offense, but that, that ain't going to get it done, and that's not a superstar. The Bulls don't have a superstar on the team. Right. But here's the, but here's the question, though. Can the Bulls be Boston? Because at least Boston, especially in the second half and now in the playoffs, at least they have an identity. Their identity is, is that they have Tatum and Brown, and they have role players that are doing things that would remind you of the Miami Heat as far as, you know, hey, I need you to get this done defensively. Hey, I need you to be able to roll to the basket. I need you to move the ball side to side. We're seeing the fundamentals of Boston. And could the Bulls ever be that under Billy Donovan? Like, could because so what I'm saying is, could the Bulls be a serious contender like the Celtics are or like the Heat are holding on that number one seed in the East? And that's what I don't know. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say frustrating because no. yeah, well. you know why? Because um, Jalen Brown and and Jason Tatum, they they've taken their game to a new a new level. And I don't think that, you know, Zach may have another level in him, and, and so could Lonzo, but DeMar doesn't. This is the best DeMar's ever going to be. He's never going to have fair. a season like this again. Yeah. So, you know, okay, a part of the, the comparison then the Celtics, all right, who's our Marcus Smart? Alex Caruso. Could Caruso play the way that Smart does? Yeah, but somehow, you know, Caruso finds a way to get hurt. 
Like, it, it, yeah. like that sucks. But, like, because he's so aggressive on defense, he's mixing it up. He's getting elbowed to the face. He's getting, you know, he's getting taken out by, you know, Grayson Allen, you know, <laughs> Coach K's godson. <laughs> I'm Duke. Go hurt players. That's what I, I want. Yes, I, you know what I mean? Yes, like, I, yes. he always finds a way to get injured. And that's not his fault. It's just, like, that's just how it is. Uh-huh. But I, I don't think that I don't think they can do what the Celtics have done this year. Okay. I don't, I don't I think mean, that's possible. Well, well, I keep saying, and I'm going to put this in a T-shirt probably one day. It, there's levels to this in the NBA. It just, it just. It, I mean, I want that it, shirt. It, well, it, well, I mean, because you know what it is. Look, man, there's been so many teams that we've covered doing podcasts over the years that we've talked about in the middle to the back end of podcasts talking about, hey, that scrappy Mavericks team, hey, that jazz Denver team, that jazz team, that Denver team, hey, what about the Pelicans? And But we know damn well, as much as you and I love hoops and we love the NBA, we know that those teams can't win, but on the NBA package, we're like, hmm, there's some good players there. Interesting. like Because it's entertaining. But you know that there's the elite of the elite, and then there's tier two, and then there's tier three. Yeah. The Bulls are a tier three team in the East. They, they they just are. And the reason why that they are is, and if it wasn't for their great start, they would be Atlanta or Cleveland or Charlotte. But thank goodness they had a good they had a good enough start. They spent time in first place in the East. And as I keep going back to. And this is why you and I are always on the same page. It pays to listen to an entire press conference because some will just listen to the first five minutes out. Okay, he's not saying anything. But then you go through the back end of a press conference when the coach is tired and all of a sudden some truths come out, like Billy Donovan pretty much saying, hey, I knew that there was going to be a downturn in our play, especially defensively, because we caught breaks. We beat the Lakers, we beat the Clippers, we beat Denver, you know, uh, competitive against Utah. But the reason why is because a lot of their stars were out and we played good basketball. But I saw the downturn. Like, he's say- saying he, this from the bench. It. He, called he called it. He called it out. Yeah. Now, 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 listen. Now, any fan could say, well, if you see it coming, why don't you stop it? Dude, how, how do you stop it? How do you yeah. stop it? I mean, your, your talent is what it is when it's in and out of the lineup. Right. COVID, injuries, everything else. Right, he and he called it, and and he knew that the stability of winning basketball games, the way the way they were with Demar scoring forty, and just hitting game winners, and and kind of taking over fourth quarters, it, it was fun in the regular season. But he knew that 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 wasn't going to work when we got to the playoffs, and and you know that like that's what this team is. He knew it, and I'd like I know that some of the calls that we've received is okay if he said that if he called it. If he's such a good coach, why didn't he do something about it? I think that goes back to the roster and, and the talent that's there and the talent that's available. In this playoff series against the Bucks, he had, what, three and a half players he could rely on in his rotation? I mean, he had, and the half player was Patrick Williams, like, a half game. Uh, you know, Caruso, you, you can maybe say a full player, but he was out. So that's, you know, that doesn't work. Zach, Vooch, and Damar. I mean, the moment he went to his bench, the plus-minus numbers immediately swung in the favor of the other team. Like, there were possessions that Tristan Thompson was unplayable. Kobe White, unplayable. And Patrick Williams looks scared out there. Uh, Javante Green, he gives you max effort the, the whole time, but he's also 
you know, clanking shots off the side of the rim. So I, I just think that the roster was not in a situation where they could actually compete, even though the coaching staff saw all along that this is what was going to take place. Uh, and, and I think that's where, you know, we find ourselves here on this, this podcast. And, and before we, we wrap this up, Jonathan, like it, the show Fast Break, it, it's been fun. We, uh, we started this up around the, the All-Star break, and we we're going to carry the show on Saturdays until the bowl season, season was over. Uh, but we're going to have podcasts throughout the off season until next NBA season, and we'll keep this fast break podcast going. I have a question, though, before we leave. I want to ask you, because I don't think we really got into Lonzo Ball. So let me ask you about Lonzo Ball. So, so the question is, and here's a guy here also that's had a hard time being able to stay healthy. And, I, and, and to be clear, when I say healthy, Look, there's going to be some veteran days off where you're going to miss some games. No, I mean, hardly anyone goes 82 anymore. You know, it could be somewhere in the uh, early 70s, mid-70s if you're really good. So, like, I'm not expecting him to play 82 games. But, you know, the narrative out there about Lonzo Ball is, you know, the defense was so, 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 so much better when Lonzo Ball was out there. Even though he was only out there for a handful of games before he got injured, right. Tech come back, he didn't come back. So the question is, I would consider Lonzo Ball a pillar, uh, one of the four pillars of this uh, Bulls team, but how much of a difference does he make as far as the standings are concerned? Lonzo Ball, when I talked to Joel Myers, the voice of the Pelicans, when he was in in, um, New Orleans, I asked him, I said, what's the improvement that you saw in Lonzo Ball? And he took a sip of his wine. He said, let me tell you, this guy. No, Uh, he he said to me, he says, I really like that his shooting has gotten better. I really like that his defense, especially at the, at the top of the key, around the perimeter, has really locked in. But he just liked his three-point shooting. He thought that there was some improvements there with three-point shooting. And so that's something that carried over to the Bulls for a while, for a little bit, until he got hurt. So how much of a factor could he be? That's the question. I mean, I mean, how much of a difference does he make if he's fully healthy, with a fully healthy and, and surgically repaired Zach, DeRozan, Vucevic, and Elders. Well, Bulls fans would tell you that he's the answer to all of it. Um, I would say that there was a five-game difference between the fourth seed, Philadelphia 76ers, at 51-31, and the Bulls at 46-36, and uh, five games back. I don't think it's likely that Lonzo Ball is a five-game difference of a player. I think, you know, if if he's healthy, I think they would have slipped the way they did, just not as dramatically, and they probably don't fall to six, but they're, they're the, like, fifth seed. Like, can you really equate what you saw? Like, at the end of the season, they had all of their top-level players except for Lonzo, and they were still losing games. I can't go to the place to suggest that Lonzo fixes everything. I just can't. He's not that good. He's good. Right. He's good. But is he a five-game difference that would then push the Bulls into the four of the third seed? I don't think so. Okay. That's why you need a lot more talent, especially veteran talent. And, yeah. you know, as we, as we leave you, don't forget early in our podcast, we talked about Vucevic. You know, a, a, a contract is, is – it, it could be likely – 
And that again, I mean, Karnaschovas says that he's going to be around. Uh, he likes him, but I think that Karnaschovas can have a really um, quick trigger if he looks at the roster and says, I can upgrade that position. Now, for those that are anti-Vucevic, you have a point when you talk about his shooting. It, Chris, it was a 9% drop in his three-point shooting this year, from 40% to 31%. It was a large drop, there's no doubt, because he was down there with Westbrook and Kate Cunningham as far as shooting the three-ball. Uh, but he still gave you 17 and 11, uh, and he's done that a lot in his career. So, sure, does he have room for improvement? Absolutely. But for a third or fourth option on your team, especially when Lonzo's healthy, that's not so bad. Just just understand that that's not Wilt in there blocking shots and scoring 30 points a game. That's not how the game's played. But, yeah, could Vucevic improve? Yeah, but all the Bulls can improve if they want to move to the next level. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, Jonathan, uh, fast break. It, it's been fun on Saturdays here in the spring. Uh, we'll do it again next year. Uh, but we'll also keep this podcast rolling, the Fast Break uh, podcast here on the ESPN Chicago app. Yes, when Donovan Mitchell is traded and you're walking uh, your dog, I'm going to call you and put you on, and uh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about because there'll be some movement in free agency, that's for sure. Hey, wait a minute, Durant's leaving the Nets. What? Wait a minute, what's uh, happening? Uh, I, I'm I'm going to call you because it's going to be fun. Because man, it's going to be wild. It's going to be another wild off season. Uh, Vooch for uh, Durant, straight up. Who says no? Uh, I don't say no. <laughs> I don't say no. I, I I bring Durant right here to Chicago and give him give him my brush. I would give him my my brush right away. Like here, you can have a ride, and here's my brush. Here's there you go. Brush. Take care. Take care of that. All right. Take care of that. For Jonathan Weird Hood. Weird guy. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Uh, listen to Jonathan weekday mornings right here on ESPN 1000. Cap and Jay Hood from 7 to 10 a.m. right here on ESPN 1000. You can hear me, Chris Black, Black and Abdal, weeknights 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. This is another edition of the Fast Break Podcast. Talk to you later, Jonathan. So long, everybody. Take that.